Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus, and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? Well, my th- this week's fantasy grievances goes to myself. Now, since everybody out there in, in the <laughs> fantasy world and, and the non-fantasy world loves to hear about everyone's personal fantasy teams, I figured I'd, uh, I'd throw mine out there, and it actually will help other people as well. But So this week, I spent my hard-earned fab, or fob, however you pronounce that, uh, money on CJ Uzuma, right? I, I picked him up because I needed him for a bi-week fill-in. And then, of course, I panicked the night before uh, the game, and I dropped him and picked up Mo Ali Cox, who did get in as well, but yeah. uh, CJ Uzuma had 91 yards and two touchdowns. So I guess the lesson in all of this is to not overthink stuff. Like, sometimes your first thought is your best thought, and I picked him up for a reason, and then I panicked, dropped him, and I screwed myself. So there is my Fantasy Festivus of the week. <laughs> I I could get right on board with that. Like when I tinker right before kickoff, it's always wrong. It's always wrong. Mm-hmm. I've never tinkered and been like, "Wow, what a smart move that was." In hindsight, uh, no, absolutely on board with you. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing quite well. I mean, I had a great weekend, and it looks like you know the football, while we expected it to be, cha- to be chaotic, found it being even more chaotic, right? I mean, with the Chiefs losing, we'll talk about them. I mean, so many other good games. I mean, it was just really fun to continue to see how much of a roller coaster the NFL can be. It's like we have our expectations about week seven being bad with so many teams on by or just having just these lopsided games. And we still wind up surprised at the end of the weekend. So, I mean, happy to see like all that go down, see the chaos like going on in the Twitter streets. But other than that, I'm doing all right. Uh, Jen, I mean, other than being frustrated at yourself, I mean, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm excited that... Peyton and Eli are back on Monday Night Football. I feel like all is right in the world now. We got we got a little tease of them at the beginning of the season, and then they were gone for a couple a couple weeks. So I'm glad they're back. And uh, while this isn't the most exciting Monday Night Football game, but like you said, um, the actual week, you know, week seven was full of excitement and a lot of surprises too. What uh, what uh, what what did you find surprising this week? I mean, it's really been over the past like few weeks that this has happened, but I mean, we really do have to reconcile the fact that Leonard Fournette is an RB1. Of course, like if you're attached to a productive offense like Tampa, it's almost like the same way that we had expected Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be an RB1 because he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. Same thing for uh, Zeke Elliott attached to Dak Prescott. I mean, it's just, I, I get it. But with so many things, so many jokes that we've piled on to Leonard Fournette like over the year, especially getting dropped by Jacksonville. He almost got dropped by Tampa Bay last year as well. But seeing him show out over these like the first like six or seven weeks of the season and really taking over the like primary workload like for for the running backs there. I mean, it's just really been I mean really surprising to see. I mean, and good on him to be quite honest. I mean, thinking that he was more of just a you know one trick pony in terms of having just like that power and like in some speed for a guy that's so large. Seeing him really turn into a more efficient running back 
this season has been something to to really uh, behold, especially for a guy like Fournette. I mean, Jen, did you really see this coming from Fournette, or did I mean, or, or did you expect this? God, no, <laughs> I didn't expect this at all. I mean, it's crazy. He was, you know, his ADP. He was RB thirty as a mid eighth rounder, and even then, I think you know some people were gun shy and weren't really sure what to expect and, and how he would fit into that offense. Um, you know, right now I think he's currently RB16. He's got 14.4 half PPR points a game. I think it's great. I mean, like you said, he was, you know, cut by Jacksonville. You know, a lot of people doubted him. And I think it's fantastic that in an offense that has, you know, so much weaponry that he's able to actually put up fantasy one numbers. And I think it's awesome. Right. And it's just, it's not just the fact that, I mean, and some folks might look at it the uh, in the way that, well, he's attached to Tom Brady. Of course, you're going to wind up having all of these points. But really, it's just the opportunity that he's been given and the fact that he's really cashing in on that opportunity. I mean, over the past three weeks, he's more than doubled the amount of routes run. And that's even against like against Gio Bernard early down in red zone work. He's doubled that of Ronald Jones. According to Football Outsiders, he's top five in running back success rate. I mean, 55% of his runs have been successful. So it's just, I, I see nothing but good things like coming from him once he touches the ball. I mean, Brandon, did you see this coming? Uh, you know, the only thing I can tell is that Jen's cat is really, really hyped so about sorry, Leonard Fournette. No, no, it's fun. <laughs> I just think I just think the cat is hyped for Leonard Fournette. I think that's all it is. I think the cat drafted Leonard Fournette <laughs> in every league, every best ball format. Uh, I'm excited to see him do this, and I, I also always say that I don't like Merck. And uh, the reason he was drafted so low as RB30, like Jen said, is because there was Merck. We didn't know. Is he getting mm-hmm. the touches? Is it going to be Ronald Jones? Is Giovanni Bernard going to catch all the passes? Are they just going to throw the ball every down? It's Merck. And now there's no more Merck. For now, he's had at least 16 touches in each of the past four games. Uh, that Merck is gone. And I, I feel very comfortable having Fournette at least as a fringe RB1 in all my lineups moving forward. Uh, you mentioned the routes run. He's, he's got 27 balls this year. And he's only a couple years removed from that, like, 70 I think 70-plus catch season in Jacksonville. So he can do it, and I'm excited to see him uh, continue to get better in this offense and benefit from the the talent around him. Yeah, I 100% agree. And just, well, another guy that I think is benefiting from a real-life standpoint in terms of the talent around him, but it's really hurting our fantasy rosters, uh, is is DeAndre Hopkins. I I know that folks, that he was the, what, maybe fourth, Fifth wide receiver drafted off of the board, uh, off of uh, the, you know, in our leagues this past summer. I mean, it was either what Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and maybe DK Metcalf, and then probably Calvin Ridley, and then maybe uh, Hopkins, like shortly after that. But if we're looking at the Arizona Cardinals offense as a whole, they've got so many more options now available to Kyler Murray that it's really not just Hopkins as the like wide receiver one, not just as the, uh, I mean, the, the also the primary target receiver like for them. A, a stat for you guys, uh, through seven weeks last year, Hopkins had 638 yards and that was great. I mean, like, and but the rest of the pass catchers on that on on that particular team had like they're about about a thousand. This year, that target difference is now up to close to like a uh, six hundred yard difference between Hopkins and the rest of the non pass catch or the the non Hopkins targets that are going around. It's just like almost a hundred yards per game are going elsewhere than DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, almost double the amount of targets are going elsewhere than DeAndre Hopkins this season. So from an opportunity standpoint, we're seeing him less involved, but the team is 6-0, and 
probably going to be, or I mean, still going to be undefeated this week going up against the Devontae Adams-less Packers. So, I mean, Jen, I mean, what do we, what would you, or what would you do with DeAndre Hopkins at this point? Well, I actually have DeAndre Hopkins in a league, so um, not hypothetical. He's frustrating because, like you said, you've got an offense that is producing. They are winning, but they're not, you know, he's not the target hog that he has in the past. He is the target leader, though, still in Arizona. He's got 6.7 per game. Kirk has 5.1. A.J. Green has 5. I mean, they're all pretty close. Um, It's frustrating as someone who rosters any of those guys. Um, and he really, even the backfield is, is, is Merck, as Brandon says. So um, it's difficult, but it's one of those things where, I mean, Hopkins is Hopkins and you're not going to, I mean, A, you're not going to drop him, obviously. He's still producing. You can try to trade him. I don't know if anyone, you know, will want him. It depends on, on their situation. But it's one of those things that we have to just hope that he continues to get the targets and he continues to put up some some, you know, fantasy one numbers. He's not going to be the guy that we thought he was coming into this season. I think that's apparent. But I think that he still has value, obviously. And I think that, you know, hopefully we'll get a few spike weeks here and there for the remainder of the season. I'm hoping that's the case as well. I mean, Brandon, I think the only positive thing that I can take away, like from the Cardinals offense, at least uh, specific to DeAndre Hopkins, is the fact that they want they are passing more this year. I mean, last year they were towards the bottom of the league in terms of pass rate over expectation. This year they're what, 12th or 13th, like through seven weeks. So that passing pie is a little bit bigger. But either way, I mean, Brandon, like what are you doing with Hopkins right now? It's so weird because he's on pace for a career year with touchdowns, right? But um, but on pace to have his lowest receptions and yardage total since 2016, that year where uh, I think they had Yosemite Osweiler back there in Houston. So <laughs> I, it's now you got uh, Kyler Murray, you got this amazing offense. I'm with you guys. It's, it's baffling that he's not uh, just exploding. But, you know, he, he's at least still a wide receiver too. Uh, the touchdown production is interesting because he's never been – I mean, he's always put up numbers. He's not like DJ Moore level or anything like that but you know he's never been a guy you think of as as he's gonna he's gonna lead the league in touchdown receptions but like that's in play this year like it, it seems like that's where he's being looked at and that's positive and that's gonna keep him very fantasy relevant and in that wide receiver one wide receiver two range but it is disappointing uh to see him that that being said he was drafted like third round right like like he mm-hmm. wasn't so i i don't know i, I kind of think maybe he's producing about where about where maybe he was drafted, maybe just like a hair under <laughs> yeah, like, where he I, was drafted. Yeah, mid-second round, like somewhere in there. At least that's where I typically remember seeing him mm-hmm. go, like once we were into, like deep into like the best ball season, like drafting him over at uh, over on underdog. So I get it. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you for a sec. According to our multi-site ADP at 444, he was, uh, his ADP in a 12-team league was 204. Woo. Oh, I stand corrected then. I stand corrected. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned, but not heavily concerned because he is such an active part of the offense. He is leading the team in targets. Like all those things are very positive. But, uh, but you're right. It is weird. It is weird that he's not being the target hog and probably better for that offense and better for that team, but not better for your fantasy roster. And how about AJ <laughs> Green resurgence? Come on, that's exciting. Yeah, go AJ Green. Go no, AJ that's Green. what. I mean, people go and check out my, uh, what's it, the Twitter page or whatever, the profile, the picture that you got on your profile. Like, A.J. Green is in my profile. 
Like, good, yeah. yeah, check out my channel. Yeah, he is. I mean, of course, like Cincinnati Bengals fan. I mean, he is one of UGA. like my favorite receivers of all time. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just because of like the size, speed, like being able to run routes. I mean, all that other things that we associate with AJ Green. And he's just a good guy to root for, to be quite honest. Chris, uh, impromptu, Chris I... because you're the Bengals fan, impromptu moment. Oh. I'm catching you off guard here, but I need to let you have 30 seconds to just gush about Jamar Chase. I need to give this to you. Hey, man, I, I was one of the silent uh, people that were – actually, I wasn't too silent about it because folks asked me what did I think about the pick when they took Chase over Penesuel or even Rashawn Slater, who was also available at the same time. And I thought it was the right pick just because – it's not just about the quarterback and wide receiver connection that the two had from LSU, but it's also this is the statement that the team wanted to make in terms of where they wanted to take their offense moving forward. They wanted to say that, I mean, this is the type of offense we want to have because we want to have multiple alpha wide receivers or multiple receivers that can get the job done in order to help take some of the pressure off of Joe Burrow. And I think it's come to fruition. I mean, even though they started off with a like lower pass rate over expectation, I think they were dead last through the first like uh, first couple weeks of the season. We've seen that constantly move up over these past few weeks. We've seen the deep ball there. That is, I mean, that connection, apparently that, that never left. And But also to see, I guess, Jamar Chase also start to evolve as a receiver. I don't remember seeing that extra gear that he happens to have on some of those deep balls and also some of the release and nuance or release techniques and nuance for him as a route runner. It's just really exciting to see. I'm hope again cautiously optimistic about where this team goes throughout the rest of the season. But it's just to see it all come together, to see them make that statement that they did down in Baltimore in that divisional game. It's just who I I've been a Bengals fan for 20 years now. Never thought that I would see something like that. So I'm just I'm really excited about where we're at right now. I was thinking about you, buddy. I was excited. I watched that happen, and I, I'm, I'm kind of – I like all those teams, so I don't really get too up or down on any of them. But, uh, but boy, I, I was thinking about you that game and thinking, woo, got to be happy with Chase. I was critical from a positional need. I loved Chase as a prospect. I, I was one of those ones thinking they should have taken Sewell dead wrong. Like, clearly, clearly surrounding your uh, number one quarterback with the best weapons you can get is a good strategy. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, again, it's been seven weeks, so I'm just I'm trying to contextualize everything before the rug inevitably gets pulled out from under me. But at least nah. for right now, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm, just I'm Hall of Fame now. Run. Build the statue, Chris. Just build it. <laughs> I, I have. Uh, hey, have I texted some of my buddies and told them that we're going to the Super Bowl? It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> but we'll just those those belong in the text messages, and we'll leave we'll leave those there. I uh, but love I, it. All right, so the last thing, and it might be a team that might not make it to the Super Bowl, but what is going on with these Kansas City Chiefs, man? Like, it's just the, the losses, and it's not just the fact that they're losing. I mean, I mean, anything can happen on a Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night. I mean, it's entirely possible. But just in the way that they're losing, I mean, just this massive loss to the Titans after going into it from a an on-paper standpoint, the Titans, while they have had a good pass rush, I mean, nobody really thought much about their secondary. I mean, heck, they went to the distance with the Jets not just a few weeks ago. So to see Patrick Mahomes basically turn into a normal human being, a mortal, I mean, after we've seen so many weeks of uh, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey run roughshod over the entire league, I just don't know how folks are going to like continue to be hopeful about the Chiefs offense or even just like the fantasy assets that we invested so much early round capital into, whether it was Mahomes in like the fourth round, uh, Kelsey in the first round, Tyreek Hill in the first round. Uh, Jen, I mean, how are you approaching not just Mahomes, but just this entire Chiefs offense as a whole? 
You know, it's funny because I think we talked about this last week, didn't we? Or maybe it was the week before. And I remember being like, oh, no, they're fine. They're fine. You know, it's just a blip. But I mean, I guess we can't really say that anymore. I mean, looking at their, you know, their numbers from this past week. I mean, there was one person on their entire offense in, in double digit fantasy points. And that was Travis Kelsey with just 10. Like he barely squeaked by. Everybody else had single digit, including Mahomes, including Hill. They all had single-digit fantasy points. That's not going to win anybody championships. And at the same time, it's not going to win them championships in real-life football either. And I don't know what's broken or who, you know, if they need to pull it out and blow on the cartridge or whatever it is. But they need to kind of figure it out because the way they played this past week and um, the way they have been playing, um, yeah. I mean, it's not what we've, we're used to seeing from them. And we're used to, you know, whenever there is some kind of weakness or something, Mahomes usually, you know – does some sort of, you know, falling backwards, cross-body, ridiculous throw, and they're fine. It's just that seems to, you know, there's no bailing out right now. It's not happening. Yeah, exactly. And I just think that uh, looking at the Chiefs' offense statistically, nothing much has changed, like, fundamentally about the offense. I mean, Brandon, they're still sitting at, you know, top three in terms of pass rate over, over expectation. Mahomes is still chucking it deep. He's, like, top three in terms of deep attempts. I mean, top 10 in terms of like the air yards collect or um, the actual passing yards created on those deep attempts, still top 10 in completion percentage over expectation. So Mahomes is still doing Mahomes things. It's just the way that defenses are planning against him. Like that's what's changed. I mean, they're not blitzing as much anymore. They're trying to get pressure with just three defenders while they're dropping like the rest of them into coverage, really not allowing any of those deep balls to really to uh, to really get there, at least as much as they were in previous years. While the yards have been there, the touchdowns haven't been there as much as possible. So it's just defenses are planning against them differently, and they don't really have an answer yet. So, I mean, Brandon, like, how are you approaching the Chiefs offense, I guess, from a fantasy standpoint now? So, you know, that it was kind of a perfect storm against Tennessee because Tennessee came out with a really good game plan and they got up early, right? And the problem with Kansas City right now is they can't stop anybody. And so uh, the defense is terrible. So then if they get down at all, uh, then that run game that defenses are already not worried about are suddenly not worried about at all because they know Andy Reid's not going to run the ball at that in that situation when they when they get down. So what they're almost doing is they're almost running like a dual spy where they're covering the flat, but they're also just staring at Patrick Mahomes to kind of limit some of that mobility that he does. While like you said, they're dropping like eight guys into coverage, so that's creating a, a lot of issues. Uh, trying to get guys open, trying to take advantage, uh, they're able to keep a safety over the top on. Tyreek Hill while also covering him with press. They're able to do those things that you can't do when you're worried at all about the run game or when you're playing um, behind, which is what they're used to. I, I don't see that changing because I don't think the defense is going to get any better uh, this year. And this might just be kind of a lost season for the Chiefs. I, I know we're seven games in. I know I, I never count Patrick Mahomes out, but I'm definitely concerned about everyone not named Travis Kelsey and definitely concerned about Travis Kelsey as the first round pick tight end, not as the tight end one, which that just shows the big gap that Travis Kelsey has, right? He's still the tight end one, but as far as like first round pick Travis Kelsey, I start to kind of raise an eyebrow and say, maybe, maybe that's not the production we're going to get from him. So uh, you're not trading him. You're keeping him because what, what are you going to do? What are you going to get for Travis Kelsey? That's not going to um, hurt your team, but uh, definitely not thrilled by what's happening in Kansas city right now. 
Right. And uh, so many actually defensive coordinators, I think when they actually wound up talking to Leslie Frazier after the Bills game, it's like this is the way that they specifically plan f- against the Chiefs. And it completely deviated from the way that they have planned against literally everybody else. And that seems to be the norm for a lot of these defensive coordinators because they know that Patrick Mahomes is special. They know that Chiefs offense is special. So I just don't see how defensive coordinators, not to say that there's a blueprint and that's the way they're going to wind up beating the Chiefs forever and ever and they're not going to win another game. No. I mean, they're going to wind up stomping the Giants this weekend. I mean, there's really not much, not much we can do about it. But it's just to think about them as a playoff contending team or not to even think about them possibly getting into the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just it's very difficult for us to see them getting back to 2019, 2020 Chiefs. And that's and that's that's tough to reconcile with. It's just it, after seeing so much magic happen with that offense, it, it really is tough. But I don't know. That's enough of my surprises, man. Tell them what we uh, what folks can do in terms of underdog in order to spice up their leagues. Sure, absolutely. You know, the Chiefs aren't having fun. Those running backs aren't having fun. But you can have fun if you go out and play the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's underdog fantasy and their brand new pick'em game. Just pick over and under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 4for4.com underdog. Claim your free 4for4 Pro subscription and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. All right, buy or sell segment. Uh, let's start. Jen, I want to talk about uh, the New England running back situation. We all hate the New England running backs. We have for years. It's part of the thing uh, part <laughs> of the thing about Bill Belichick that makes him so mysterious. Uh, you know, Damian Harris had a great game, uh, but I don't want to talk about him because we know he's the guy. We know if you draft him, you're probably starting him. But Brandon Bolden, six catches on seven targets, 79 yards and a touchdown against the Jets. We know that's the Jets, but that's two weeks in a row that he's been an active part of that passing game. Seems like maybe he's filled that James white role what's your take on brandon bolden he's he's somebody worth buying yeah i was actually just about to say that he he is the new james white in that offense and and tom brady or not you know that they 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 like that you know that role they like that uh pass catching back there in new england so uh yeah i'm definitely buying brandon bolden um i think the time to buy him was probably last week Uh, Mm -hmm. i don't know how available he is uh this week but, uh, yeah, I think that uh, moving forward, you know, that offense seems to be coming together and Mac Jones is uh, progressing as he should as a rookie. And I think, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely some good, you know, good games for him on the horizon. And he's someone that especially with, with all the injuries and the bye weeks and everything else, running backs are pretty scarce. So, yeah, he's definitely someone to scoop up if you can. Chris, how are you approaching the New England running back situation? I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> Haven't we, haven't we talked about this for years? I mean, like yeah. running backs that play for Bill Belichick and just like stay away. Stay, like if it hasn't been like these guys now, and of course Brandon, but like talking about Brandon Bolden, the year of our Lord 2021. I mean, what are we doing, guys? Like what are we even doing? But if it's not them, it's been what LeGarrette Blunt, Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle. I mean, James White. I mean, any of those guys that have just we've tried we've tried to come up with heuristics and to figure out like when are we supposed to start this guy? Oh, if it's going to be a heavy passing game, that's when you play James White. Okay, it's going to be a game where they're going to be up like they're going to be up quite a bit. All right, so that means we got to play LeGarrette Blunt. All those things have. I mean, they were up quite a bit on Sunday, and we saw all of them get in like while it's great for people that wound up rostering every single one of them there was no rhyme or reason damien harris got his brandon bolden got his jj taylor with a short touchdown run it's just 
I well, would rather avoid that. I mean, if you can wind up getting them on the cheap or whatever, that's completely fine. But on a week to week basis, how are we supposed to trust like any of that production? Are we really expecting them to blow out? I mean, the, every single team, what, like 40 some odd by like 30 some odd points on a week to week basis. So it's just, I don't know. I mean, if you're in a deep league and you're stuck in a pinch because of bye weeks, I get it. But we've seen this story like happen so many times before. And it's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to deal with the headache. I, I, I get that. I think that's very fair. Mm. Uh, and the Jets are <laughs> unique. The Jets are very unique. I will give them that. Um, so, you know, providing that type of fantasy production against a team on a week-to-week basis will be difficult if you're not facing the Jets on a week-to-week basis. Uh, let's go to a, a rookie quarterback who has the Konami code upside and and has a lot of uh, positives to, to look at, but just hasn't been producing. Uh, Chris, do we just drop Justin Fields? Yes. Yeah? I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't. I can't anymore. If it's because I've seen the I've seen the arguments, the the pro and uh, cons of Justin Fields. Of course, the the slow processing, which has led to the sacks, and also on the other side, Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, whoever has control over the play calling, not putting Justin Fields in enough positive situations to help him work. You know, for him to work out. Few flukes, if I'm remembering correctly, I would say at least half. Let's say, eh, not at least, but let's say like three or four of his interceptions are not technically Justin Fields' fault. Because remember, a couple of them have now come Mm -hmm. on what he thought were going to be free plays that have turned into turnovers. So it's just, I I don't know where to put the blame at. But at this point, we've yet to see him pass. I mean, like in the passing rate this past week, okay, the attempts kicked up to, what was it, like 31, 32? This past week, okay, fine. They did the like marginally rational thing and said that they were going to pass more against Tampa Bay. Okay, you get a gold <laughs> star. But the rest of it, it's just the production hasn't been there. I mean, they're bottom six in, ter- in, in terms of EPA per drop back. Justin Fields has had no more than one touchdown, like one like one passing touchdown per game. We haven't seen the scrambling or the rushing really even start to have any sort of effect on the offensive rhythm. So it's just I, I I'm out. I, I can't have any faith in either Justin Fields or the combination of Justin Fields and the coaching staff for them to put out like reliable, consistent, or even just like explosive. I mean, give at least give me that. Give me give me a chance where like you know Justin Fields can Jameis his way into fantasy production, <laughs> and then like the, you know the next week he can just have like negative five points. We don't even get that. Yeah. So if I can't even get a ceiling out of out of Justin Fields, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm out. I, I I put something on Twitter. I I was I was in a league where bye weeks just decimated uh, my roster and my opponent's roster. My opponent started Nick Mullins with the thought, "Hey, if Case Keenum gets hurt, at least there's points there, right?" He had no quarterback, and Nick Mullins, without playing a snap, outscored Justin Fields, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was in my roster. Was yeah, in my it's, just, <laughs> it's just like where's the where's the upside? I know we wanted to be so optimistic about like all these rookie quarterbacks. But he's not the, at least he's not the only one, right? I mean, yeah. Trey Lance is not oh, they doing all anything. Look bad. They like, all Zach, look bad. Zach Wilson knocked out. It's like you know they all look bad. <laughs> but it's just Justin Fields. It's like I, I can't do it anymore. Oof, oof, Jen. Uh, I'm going off sheet. I'm going off sheet again. This Uh-oh. is the second time today. I'm going off sheet. Jen, uh, do you agree with Chris's assertion about Justin Fields or opinion about Justin Fields? And as such, like, what are you doing with the Chicago pass catchers? Uh, I was never on Justin Fields, so dropping him is, is a very easy thing because I, I don't have him. 
Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like there's enough there's enough quarterbacks out there, right? I mean, obviously, if you're in a a two QB or a super flex, then you're probably wrestling with Justin Fields. If you're in a single QB league, you should not even be thinking about the fact you shouldn't even have Justin Fields on your roster or in your lineup at the moment. Um, and then to answer your off script um, second uh, or off menu question. It's brutal. I mean, you know, I, I write a, a drop column every week. I, I wrote mine that comes out tomorrow already. Um, I did not put Allen Robinson on there. Uh, he's he's kind of on a special addendum at the bottom, uh, which is which is a uh, holdout until the trade deadline on November second, in case they they you know the, the Bears decide to get smart and, and free him. Uh, so that 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 was kind of my take on it is to kind of hang on to him for another week. Um, you know, Mooney, I, I think is outscoring him at the moment, which is kind of ridiculous and, and he's still not doing well. Yeah. Um, it's, it stinks. I mean, it stinks that Justin Fields has torpedoed the, you know, the weapons in, in, in Chicago for a second. I forgot what they're playing. Um, but yeah, so it's rough and, uh, there really aren't a lot of fantasy relevant startable guys in that offense right now. And it's a bummer. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Okay, let's go to somebody who is relevant. Uh, healthy Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers had a full workload. Uh, that's twice now that he's been fully healthy for a full game and gotten a full workload and gotten 100-plus yards and a touchdown. If Mitchell is healthy, can we expect RB1, RB2 numbers? Jen? He looks pretty good. I mean, this past week it was, you know, a uh... – yeah, I mean, he looked pretty good. I think he scored about two, just shy of 17 points. And, uh, you know, he seems to be taking back over that lead back role, whatever that is in San Francisco. I guess there's never a technical lead back. But um, similar to the Patriots, we're in a position where, you know, it's kind of a cluster, Merck, to figure out what's happening there. But I think Mitchell, you know, is starting to solidify that role. I mean, we do have Jeff Wilson coming back soon. I don't know how, you know, how much that will kind of play into things. But, uh yeah, I think at the moment, Elijah Mitchell, you know, like I said earlier, considering all the injuries and, and how some of us are struggling to even get, you know, a body into that running back spot <laughs> on our rosters. I think Elijah Mitchell is someone that's definitely worth having on your roster if you can get him and uh, rolling him out there for now. Excellent. Excellent. Chris, uh, Jen talked about all the injuries. We lost another one this week. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be out for a little bit. I know uh, I feel like you have always talked about Boston Scott, but tell me about uh, whether or not you're buying Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell or both. Gainwell was uh, actually Gainwell was the one to score the first touchdown for the Eagles while Miles Sanders was still healthy on a passing. It was a uh, passing touchdown as well, or I guess receiving touchdown for Gainwell. Uh, so it was good to see him still getting mixed in. Uh, Gainwell, like although his opportunity share had been dropping over the past couple of weeks, it was great to see he still had some sort of contingent value, and that was with Sanders still in the lineup. Now he easily profiles as the lead back. We'll see what Boston Scott's workload will look like this upcoming week. I mean, I, there's an easy story I can tell myself that looking at Boston Scott's like opportunity, he I think he only ran like 10 or 12 routes to Gainwell's like 23 or something along those lines. And so I can easily tell myself a story that, all right, well, you know, they were trying to come back, didn't want to like go uh, completely go all out, but they were trying to come back to beat the Raiders. They need their primary personnel. Gainwell's been the guy that's been playing more so than uh, more so than Scott over the last few weeks. So Gainwell gets the work. But this week, with a full week of practice and ability to game plan this upcoming week, I mean, is it possible that against Detroit, 
we might see like in obvious passing downs we might see boston scott mixed in a bit more especially considering they don't have much depth at the running back position behind either of those two so they don't want to risk gainwell getting hurt as well i can also tell myself that story so i'm more or less like i'm buying gainwell as the primary because i think everybody was in on gainwell just because like from the draft but still like i think there's a chance that boston stock can have some contingent value but i think it's really like gainwell the guy that should that we should be targeting that makes sense that makes sense and uh fantasy managers take a look uh at the transactions, Jordan Howard is on that practice squad. Uh, they've he's had some success. Oh. If they, they may <laughs> elevate Jordan Howard and create more Merc. We could just call Jordan Howard the Merker. We could just call him the Merker. Uh, Jen, one more of these. Uh, is it? Can I drop Naheem Hines? I like. He's always supposed to be my PPR like fill-in guy. Like like it's bye week time. I need someone that won't get me zero. I can put Hines in there. It, it, it's based on the fact that he catches so many balls. He's only got two targets per game in his last four. He's just not a part of the offense. Can I drop him? Yeah. If if you read my my dead weight report from last week, I had him on there for the week seven drops. So yeah, I did. week eight we still can. <laughs> um, and listen, I think at the moment, you know, like I said earlier, that the trade deadline is coming up in the NFL. They are they're trying to showcase Marlon Mack. I think they're trying to move him. So Hines is, is kind of getting a backseat. Now, if they do move, you know, Mack, Hines may kind of, you know, enter the conversation again. But the way Taylor is playing, I just don't know that Hines is, is going to get enough to make him relevant and, and a starter, unless you're super desperate. So I do feel like he's droppable, and I do feel like there's probably some other guys out there better and better spots to make it happen for you. Folks, this podcast is also brought to you by Superdraft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesar Rewards. The most accurate podcast listeners get an instant deposit match with their first deposit by using the promo code 444 at registration. Get in now to play Super 15, a game everybody's seen in memes, but nobody can play until now. You'll recognize it as soon as you see it, and for the first time, you'll be able to win money by playing it. Additionally, new Superdraft users who, de- who deposit at least $10 will get a DFS subscription at 4 for 4 If you're already a subscriber, existing members will get upgraded to a betting subscription. Details at 4for4.com slash Superdraft. Download the Superdraft app and insert that 4 for 4 promo code today for your instant deposit match and try it out for yourself. All right, looking ahead segment to close out the show. Uh, if you're desperate at running back, uh, Samaj Pirine getting some supplemental work when he's healthy could get some extra touches as the Bengals probably demolish the Jets next week. I think PPR RB two potential there. If you if you really need someone that might be available on waivers that you can pick up and plug in, Jen, what's your looking ahead for next week? I'm going with some defenses uh, coming up for not next week, but weeks nine and ten. So that I mean, you can pick them up this week to in preparation. But first, you have Dallas. Um, their Week 9 and Week 10 opponents are Denver and Atlanta, who are 30th and 31st in adjusted fantasy points to uh, opposing offenses there. Um, and uh, Or defenses, I should say. And then also the Colts. Uh, they Their Week 9 and 10 is the Jets and Jacksonville. I mean, you really can't dream a better scenario for a defense there. So those are two defenses that you might want to preemptively pick up for, the, uh, for Weeks 9 and 10. Nice. I love it. Go get those defenses. I always like grabbing them a week ahead before uh, they become hot commodities on waiver on the waiver wire. Chris, what's your uh, looking ahead item? Uh, so it might sound gross, but Daniel Jones gets to play against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. <laughs> so, if I mean, from a process standpoint, you would think it would make some sense to kind of throw in the guy. I mean, throw in the guy that's going up against one of the worst defenses in the league. 
I mean, other than Taylor Heineke, they've been giving up almost like 290, almost 300 passing yards like per uh, per game, multiple touchdowns, whether they be through the air or on the ground. I mean, rushing uh, rushing quarterbacks have had their way with them. We watched Josh Allen a few weeks ago. We just watched Ryan Tannehill scoot his way into the end zone as well. Daniel Jones can you know can, he can scramble with the best of them. We're hoping to at least see. I mean, Darius Slayton's already back. Sterling Shepard hopefully could be back. We'll have to wait on Kenny Galladay, but at the very least, if he has. Most of his primary pass catchers back, and Daniel Jones can also run with the best of them. He's probably the best streaming option for uh, for this upcoming weekend. So it might look gross, but from the process standpoint, it makes some sense. I agree, and I love it. And I'm going to nickname this uh, Chris's Daniel Jones segment. That's going to be the looking ahead segment. <laughs> oh, <now>. no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.